Good morning, church, and welcome once again to our service of worship. I'd invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. Today we're going to be reading the first 10 verses of this chapter, Revelation 13. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the NIV 84 version here. So you can follow along with me, Revelation 13, beginning at verse 1. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for forty-two months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word today. At the end of the book of Revelation, in Revelation 22 verse 7, Jesus makes this promise. He says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. The book of Revelation is not written in order that we would know exactly how soon Jesus is coming. It is written that we would know how to live in light of the fact that Jesus is coming soon. As I suggested last week, When God's word instructs us about the future, his purpose isn't to satisfy our curiosity or answer all of our questions. His purpose is to instruct, equip, protect, and guide his people toward faithful living, keeping his word in this wicked world, which means faithful standing and fierce fighting in the spiritual battle that we are in as followers of Jesus Christ. As we were reminded last week, Though the forces of evil in the heavenly realms are unseen, they are real and raging. And our passage in Revelation 13 today further unveils the spiritual forces of the evil one behind the human powers and rulers in our world, making us aware and alert of the devil's schemes and equipping us to take our firm stand against them. But that is not easy to do. Because, as 1 John 5.19 says, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Consequently, as Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10.22, all men will hate you because of me. But he who stands to the end will be saved. 
Well, this passage in Revelation 13 confirms that and helps us to see why. Why it is and will continue to be so important and yet so difficult for Christians to stand firm and be faithful to Christ. Revelation 12, we saw the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment he was born. And we saw, of course, the child is Jesus Christ, whom the dragon could not kill. He fails. Why? Because he has no power over Jesus. As Jesus said in John 10, 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. And so then the dragon and his forces go to war in heaven against Michael and the angels. But the dragon's defeated again. And so as we read, the dragon was hurled down to the earth, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. And then Satan goes after the woman in the desert and makes war against her offspring, her children, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus, God's people followers of Jesus Christ. But as we're going to see in Revelation 13, Satan will do this. That is, he will make war against God's people through two primary agents, two puppets, if you will. Last week, we saw the -the behind-the-scenes puppet mastery of the dragon and how he uses and controls his servants, like Herod, into carrying out his evil plans. Well, What we see here in chapter 13 is how the devil authorizes and carries out his plans through his two ultimate puppet agents, the beast from the sea and the beast from the land. And together, these three, the dragon, the beast from the sea, and the beast from the land, make up an anti-trinity, if you will, a false, blasphemous copy or mockery of God Almighty in three persons. The description of the dragon that we looked at last week in Revelation 12 It's like a twisted imitation of the description of God we we see in Revelation 4. The description of the beast from the sea that we're looking at today in Revelation 13 verses 1 to 10 is is a twisted imitation of the description of Jesus the Lamb in Revelation 5, and we're going to see that today. And the description of the beast from the earth that we will see in the second half of Revelation 13 is an imitation of the work of the Holy Spirit described in Revelation 11. Well, chapter 13 opens with these words. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. Now, we know that the dragon represents the devil. So, question is, who or what does the beast represent? Well, we get a clue from the setting here, namely the sea. As we know, so much of of the imagery in Revelation is painted with an Old Testament brush and with Old Testament colors. Well, in the Old Testament, the sea is often a symbol of humanity, specifically the chaotic wickedness of humanity. For instance, in Isaiah 57, 20, we read, The wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. Well, later on in Revelation 17, 15, this symbol is confirmed to John by the angel who tells him point blank, the waters you saw are the peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. So if the sea represents the sinful people and nations of the world, then it follows that that the beast arising from the sea is a picture of an evil ruling force of some kind. In the book of Job, we're told of a beast from the earth called Behemoth. In Job 40, verse 15, and a beast from the sea called Leviathan. 
in Job 41, verse 1. And throughout the rest of the Old Testament, these creatures symbolize the kingdom and forces of evil that try and attack Israel. Specifically, they represent evil political empires trying to oppose and oppress God's kingdom and his people. Now, coming back to Revelation 13, verse 2, John describes the appearance of this beast. He says, I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns in his horns and on each head a blasphemous name. Verse 2, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but it had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. Now, in order to properly understand this description, we we have to look back at Daniel chapter 7, where in his prophetic dream, the prophet Daniel describes four beasts coming out of the sea. This is what we read, beginning at verse 2 of Daniel 7. Daniel said, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion. It had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted off the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. This beast had four heads. It was given authority to rule. Verse 7, after that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the other former beasts, and it had ten horns. In Daniel 7, these beasts represent evil kingdoms, empires that rejected God. The lion with the wings of an eagle is a picture of Babylon. The beast, like a bear, represents Medo-Persia. And the third beast that looked like a leopard with four wings represents Greece. And the fourth that Daniel describes as the most terrifying and and frightening of them all that crushed and devoured its victims is a picture of Rome. Well, in John's vision here in Revelation 13, the the descriptions of the beasts in Daniel are, are all combined to describe this beast from the sea. Similar to the description of the dragon in chapter 12, this beast will have 10 horns with seven heads and 10 crowns in his horns which, as we saw last week, these are symbols of kingly power and authority that this empire will have. And drawing directly from Daniel's imagery, John says the beast from the sea resembles a leopard, which is a picture of speed and agility, has the feet like a bear, suggesting power and ferocity to trample its enemies, and it has the mouth of a lion with a powerful and authoritative roar and destructive hunger to devour its prey and its teeth. So some commentators believe the beast here symbolizes the evil Roman Empire under which John was imprisoned when God gave him this revelation. Others suggest it symbolizes, in a general sense, evil geopolitical power used by the dragon to oppose God's kingdom and and pressure disciples of Christ. But every empire has a ruler. Every government a leader. Every kingdom a king. And, and so many commentators believe the beast here is a specific symbol of the final personal antichrist. A single person who will rise to political power in the end times and be ruler of a horrifyingly wicked worldwide regime. 
which the original Greek text seems to suggest by the term translated beast in verses 4 and 8, which doesn't refer to an entity or to people, plural, but to a person, singular. The Greek is clear about that, which is why many commentators suggest that this beast from the seas is the Antichrist, even though the term Antichrist is never used in the book of Revelation. This understanding is also underscored by the the term, the blasphemous name on each crown on his thorns, on on his horns. As I mentioned earlier, the beast is presented as as a twisted imitation of Christ, hence an anti-Christ, a blasphemous impersonator who will rise to be a king of kings, not the king of kings. That title belongs to Jesus Christ alone, a fact that enrages the dragon and the beast who will openly defy Jesus' rule and authority and deceive the nations and kings of the world to bend their knee to him which is later confirmed in Revelation 17, verses 12 and 13. Here's what we read. The ten horns he saw, John, I saw, he says, are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. So the beast will begin as as one among many leaders, many kings, but he will rise to power. And Daniel's prophecy powerfully describes his ascent to power. In Daniel 8, verses 23 and 24, this is what we read. A stern-faced king, a master of intrigue will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. Back to Revelation 13, verse 2. Whose power, whose power will he rise on? It says, the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. So the dragon, Satan, will give to the beast his power and authority, which is demonstrated in an apparent and astonishing miracle in verse 3. Look at it with me there. It says, One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. In 2 Thessalonians 2.9, the Apostle Paul points to, to this incredible delusion that will deceive the world. There we read, 2 Thessalonians 2.9, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Again, as I mentioned, the beast is often called the Antichrist because he, he's a twisted, blasphemous imitation of Christ. And, and we see the ultimate example of that right here. Uh, back in Revelation 5, 6, if you recall, it, it is through tear-soaked eyes that John turns and sees Jesus. And he says this, Revelation 5, 6, I saw a lamb standing as if it had been slain. And here, according to the NASB, Revelation 13, 3 says, I saw one of the beast's heads as if it had been slain. This apparent miraculous healing of the beast from this fatal wound is is a masquerade of Jesus' death and resurrection, which will deceive and astonish the entire world, who will not only follow the beast, but who will blasphemously worship the dragon and the beast, as we read in verse 4. It says, men worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worship the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? 
The world will be awestruck by the beast's power and miraculous resilience over death and conclude that resistance is futile. If he can't be killed, he's unstoppable. If we can't beat him, we might as well join him. And so they will bow down and worship the dragon and the beast. In fact, their declaration here of, of who is like the beast is actually a mockery of God's word in Isaiah 46.5, where God de- declares, to whom will you compare me or count me equal? Who is like me? And this is really what, what Satan has been seeking after all along. More than anything, he wanted to be like God and be worshipped like God, didn't he? And giving in to that temptation, humanity followed suit. In the garden, that, that was the underlying temptation behind eating from the tree that, that God had forbidden. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And in their sinful pride, people have sought to be like God and be worshipped like him ever since. A number of Roman empires, Roman emperors declared themselves to be gods, assuming titles of deity, which the apostle John knew all too well under the, the Roman emperor Domitian. It was the imperial cult of emperor worship, which demanded everyone burn incense to, to Caesar and declare him as Lord and God. And of course, John refused to bow his knee and confess any name other than Jesus Christ as Lord and God which is why he ended up being imprisoned on the island of Patmos. Look at Revelation 13, verses 5 and 6. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. Now, listen again to Daniel's parallel prophecy in Daniel chapter 7. Verse 8, this is what it says. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. Daniel eleven twenty one says, He will invade the kingdom when its people feel secure and he will seize it through intrigue. And then Daniel eleven thirty two says, With flattery he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. And then Daniel eleven thirty six says, He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. The point is, the beast will have a way with words. In fact, his mouth is, is presented like a weapon here, an evil sword. Again, a twisted imitation of the sharp sword that, that comes out of the mouth of Christ, which will ultimately slay the enemy, as we'll see in Revelation 19.15. Well, Following his miraculous healing from a fatal wound, the beast will boast big time. That's the point here. His mouth will be full of loud, proud, blasphemous words, exalting and celebrating himself while insulting Christ and slandering God and his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. And it's through these loud, proud lies he will exercise and extend his authority for 42 months. We saw this last week, didn't we? 42 months is the same as 1,260 days or three and a half years or time, times, and half a time, which all refer to the the same set period of time. Underlining this important fact, the beast is on the clock, just like his puppet master, the dragon, as we saw last week. The devil knows his time is short. So does the beast. 
Which is why, like a rabid dog on a short but unbreakable leash, he will do the most damage that he can in the limited amount of time that he has. And we see the effect and extent of that damage in Revelation 13, verse 7, where we read, He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. This will be the greatest test, the greatest trial followers of Christ will have to face. Infuriated by the refusal of Christians to deny Jesus and worship him, the beast will hunt down and make war against the saints and will be allowed to conquer and kill many Christians who will prove their allegiance to Christ by living out the truth of a Philippians 121. These saints will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that Christ will be exalted in their bodies, whether by life or by death. As Paul writes, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We saw a similar scene last week, didn't we? As, as the overcomers described in Revelation 12 did not shrink in the face of death, but overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. To, to then there's no greater honor than, than to die in the service of Christ who died to save us, knowing that by dying, they would truly live and reign with him forever. Again, Daniel saw the exact same thing in his vision. In Daniel 7, verse 21, we read, As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them. Verse 25, Daniel 7, He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. All throughout the history of the church, Believers have been called to lay down their lives for the cause of Christ. Countless thousands upon thousands of Christians who have literally taken up their crosses and followed Jesus to their death in order to proclaim his. But nothing will compare to this. However, as, as terrible as these days will be, they will be numbered by God, again, for 42 months or time, times and half a time. Which brings us to the last three verses that we're going to look at today. Though most of the world will bow down and worship the dragon and the beast as God, not everyone will. Look at the last three verses, Revelation uh, 13, verses 8, 9, and 10. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the, be the beast, that is, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. This right here, points to the reason why it is and will continue to be increasingly difficult to stand firm and live faithfully as followers of Jesus Christ in this world. Because as God's children, we are inhabitants of his kingdom of light. But we are living in the kingdom of darkness in this world, this world that is living under the control of the evil one. 
We're surrounded by people who either consciously or unconsciously live in and love the darkness, hate the light, they don't want to hear the truth, they they don't want to follow the way, they they don't want to live the life that is found in Jesus Christ. And eventually, as, as we read here, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. However, these verses assure us that though the coming battle will be brutal, though the casualties will be great, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, the elect of God will be empowered to persevere, equipped by God to patiently endure and faithfully stand firm to the end, even in the face of death, refusing to bow down in blasphemous worship of the beast. So, so coming back to Revelation 22, 7, how, how are we to keep the words of the prophecy of, of this chapter? Well, I, I think this passage reminds us, first of all, of, of the, the fallibility of human governments, leaders, and political rulers, most of whom are not being led by the Holy Spirit, but by the sinful nature, which ultimately, unwittingly, and increasingly bows to the evil one. We've certainly seen a, a steep slide into immorality, haven't we? As more and more political leaders and governments abandon the principles of biblical truth and morality that, that our country was founded upon and are changing laws and definitions in order to suit and celebrate sin and the sinful nature in, in this immoral culture, trying to silence and stop God's voice of truth. Let me ask you, who do you think is behind all that? Our passage today tells us it's the dragon, the puppet master. It's the devil's schemes working behind the scenes. Our ultimate allegiance is not to any political party or form of government, but to God and to his kingdom. And the authority and instruction of God's word, my friends, trumps all other authority and instruction, period. Which means that if if the laws of this land come to defy the law of God... We, we have to stand on the law of God, disobey the law of the land in order to be obedient to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords who is coming back to rule and reign perfectly and forever. Ultimately, the government will be on his shoulders. Of the increase of his government, writes Isaiah, and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Therefore, be strong in the Lord and and put on the full armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So my friends... Let us stand firm in peace and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. To God be the glory. Amen.
close today with these words from 1 Peter 5, verses 6 to 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.